Thank you for joining me for quite excellent episode number 30. Today I'll be reading Not Bad, Dad, Not Bad by Jan Heller-Levi, which I found in Poetry 180, A Turning Back to Poetry, a collection edited by former U.S. Poet Laureate Billy Collins. Before we get to Billy Collins, though, let's talk about last week's poem, School Prayer, from Diane Ackerman. I really enjoy the sentiments of this poem and the commitments the speaker of the poem places on themselves for caring for and improving the world. Not that I think it is possible for someone to commit so fully, but the idea of a person caring this much about the world in which we live is, is the kind of thing that really heartens me. I was pleased to see among the various readings this feeling was shared by a number of my students as well. Here's the poem. School Prayer, Diane Ackerman In the name of the daybreak, and the eyelids of the morning, and the wayfaring moon in the night when it departs, I swear I will not dishonor my soul with hatred, but offer myself humbly as a guardian of nature, as a healer of misery, as a messenger of wonder, as an architect of peace. In the name of the sun and its mirrors, and the day that embraces it, and the cloud veils drawn over it, and the uttermost night, and the male and the female, and the plants bursting with seed, and the crowning seasons of the firefly and the apple, I will honor all life, wherever and whatever form it may dwell, on earth my home, and in the mansions of the stars. To start, I'd like to note some of the more singular readings that students provided. These are the ones that use language or playing with ideas that stood out as entirely unlike those of their peers, and as a result, I kind of need to explore them as a collective of unique ideas. Uh, Shout out to the student who correctly identified this poem as a lyric poem, a particular genre of poetry that is of a personal perspective, a first-person exploration of powerful feelings through rhythm with a focus on uh, on emotions rather than narrative. Uh, that's dead on. Another interesting language selection was a student's description of the poem's statement that, quote, I will honor all life as a, quote, natural and bohemian expression. Uh, Bohemians are are people whose lifestyles and perspectives are socially unconventional and are usually connected to the art in some way. I I think the singularity of this poem's all-loving, all-hopeful, all-respective voice might count as Bohemian. Along this line is a student who noted that the things the poem's speaker was promising were things that don't really exist. Peace, protection for all trees, a healer of misery. Uh, In this way, the student notes the poem is really about more... Uh, of a perfect earth. And I agree, that all sounds pretty good to me. Finally, one student made a connection between this poem and the Salem Witch Trials, which the student claims required students to stand and recite a poem to the sun as a pledge. I have no idea if this is true. Not not even a little bit. Uh, I honestly don't have the opportunity to research it right now. If it is, neat. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, if it's not, Still kind of neat. I did not expect this poem to find any kind of connection to witches, but you know what? I will take it. I asked students to really focus on the title of this poem, as it kind of seems out of place. The poem never actually mentions school or religion. 
On the topic of school, students made a number of connections. Many of these had to do with the actual school environment, which students noted is about becoming educated and learning both from the world and from each other. Uh, the importance of living about the natural world is the very core of this poem, so this tracks. But students went beyond the actual lessons of school, which teach, you know, stuff, uh, and what it teaches about how to behave. One student noted that the positivity and kindness of the poem is, quote, what starts the school day right, while others noted that future generations through school are intended to learn to embrace life and respect it on all its different forms. Uh, for others, the poem was less about what school is than what it should be, as a place where people, quote, learn to love the world and keep peace with everyone in it, or a place where people can develop a, quote, sense of growth and change, where we recognize the role of nature in our everyday lives. The school is also seen as providing figurative meaning to this poem. One student suggested that this less-than-literal school was, quote, not referring to an institution of education, but of a school of thought in which, to be a good person, you must honor all life and become a guardian of nature. Other non-literal utilities for school in the poem was as a measurement of, like, time and age. Because school is something that young people do daily, a few students suggested that this school prayer is something to be said regularly, just as students say the pledge. Along a similar line was a student suggested that the title indicated an approximate age range for the speaker as a young person, uh, where the poem might be from someone, quote, naive enough uh, to be said by someone still in school. This student is quick to note that while this may be the intention of the poem, they do not think the ideas within the poem are naive, and that they, quote, full-heartedly support this ideal of protecting and caring for the world. Me too. Just as the poem feels akin to the pledge that students say daily, students found a kind of personal pledge within it where, quote, the idea of the narrator praying or pledging to become a greater person in the future fits in with both a pledge and the goal of improving ourselves through education in general. This prayer mentioned in the title is often referred to as a personal promise or pledge to be, quote, looked at as a promise or conversation between someone and their God in one of these readings. In, in many student readings, actually, uh, the speaker of the poem is praying for a number of things, such as a more perfect world or the ability or strength to learn how to better care for the beauty of Mother Nature. These prayers are personal for the speaker, according to students. They often said how it serves as a promise to value life and guard it, to take personal responsibility for the protection of the natural world, to, quote, dutifully make the world a better place. This is a tall order, and students recognize the enormity of this obligation, with one student saying that the speaker seems to be making, quote, themselves as a god by making sure to protect everyday beings. This student continued to note that while the poem's title initially feels like a simple children's prayer, the content of the prayer is so grand, it's to, quote, honor all life, that it is unlike the prayer or promise of any human. We just are not personally big enough to satisfy the demands of that obligation. Along this line is another student's comment that this is a poem of a personal testament. Despite the use of the word prayer in the title, a few students didn't see any sort of typical God in it, with one noting that the poem is, quote, a spiritual poem, but without having anything to do with spirituality. Another student, who said that maybe we are supposed to learn from the natural world, and that the poem wants to see the divine in nature, 
would probably agree. In the end, the poem is about a personal pledge and a recognition for the beauty of nature, according to students. The poem wants us to pay closer attention to the natural world, which can be taken for granted and neglected, according to them. It is, in these readings, a poem about protecting what is vulnerable but also vast, and the imagery of the poem supports this reading as well, as a student notes that there are regular images associated with light, such as fireflies, the sun, and the moon, and, as a result, the speaker of the poem, and maybe the audiences too, have an obligation to push back the darkness that threatens this natural world. I do not have anything to add but a firm and assertive nod of the head. This is all just so good. Now, our next poem is Not Bad, Dad, Not Bad, by Jan Heller Levi. I really like this poem, and I think students will appreciate how totally comprehensible it is. There isn't some great abstract trick to figuring out. The title and the poem go together pretty comfortably, and we have a clear first-person reflection of the speaker's experience with their father. Which brings me to the secret passphrase of the week, which I actually just used. It is the speaker. We have a tendency to think of poetry as more personal and specific to the author than novels and short stories are. Uh, when we read Lamb to the Slaughter this week, for example, nobody should assume it is about how the author is a violent wife. Raul Dahl is neither a wife or a person with a history of violence, at least that I'm aware of. No, we assume that writers of short stories and novels are telling stories. Well, here's a trick about poetry. So are poets. It can be uh, that these are the same, the speaker and the poet, but unless the author says this is the case, we should never assume so. So, whenever you refer to the first-person narrator of this poem, be sure to say the narrator or the speaker, although you have to use the speaker at least once, because it is our secret passphrase after all. Here's the poem. Not bad, Dad. Not bad, by Jan Heller Levi. I think you were the most yourself when you were swimming, slicing the water with each stroke, the funny way you breathe, your mouth cocked as though you're yawning. You're neither fantastic nor miserable at getting from here to there. You wouldn't win any medals, Dad, but you wouldn't drown. I think how different everything might have been had I judged your loving like I judged your side stroke, your butterfly, your... Australian crawl. But I always thought I was drowning in that icy ocean between us. I always thought you were moving too slowly to save me, when you were moving as fast as you can. Students, be sure to use the speaker in the poem at least once to refer to the first-person narrator, but do not refer to them as the author, okay? You also need to remember to use quotation marks around the title of the poem. That should be in your first sentence, actually. And this is another poem of stanzas. There are five of them, so feel free to use that term as well. Remember to complete your paragraph-length response by Wednesday, September 23rd, and two replies to the responses of your peers by the Friday that ends the week. Your paragraph-length response should include a tag and make a claim in the opening sentence or two. Then support that claim with quotations from the poem and commentary that explains how those quotations support your claim. Be sure to read the assignment instructions for a full breakdown of the expectations. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, or would like me to direct an eye toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment at LeidenTeaches.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. 
The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 30 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, you discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent. Thank you.